Well, hey everyone, Pastor Stephen here, and I want to thank you for checking out this message from Journey Church. I hope that it encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus than ever before. If you are joining us today online or through the live stream, we are so excited that you are with us. However, we are not meant to do life alone, so don't let online media be a substitute for an actual community of faith and fellowship. God created us to do life with one another so that we can grow together on life's journey. We hope that you enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, Journey Church. How are you all? You know, I want to welcome our visitors, especially today. Um, I want you to know if you came to a church and you were looking for a bunch of holier-than-thou self-righteous people, you came to the wrong place. We're just a bunch of broken people saved by the grace of God and being healed every day. And so we just want you to know that. Uh, you're looking at probably one of the most broken of all right here. But God's doing his work in him. He's not going to quit. You know, when I say good morning, uh, a journey church, it reminded me of that years ago. Every time I said, I want to say, good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> now, let me tell you, when that came out, I had graduated from high school, been through the military four years, was married and on our way to building a family. That gives you an idea how old I am. In fact, in two months, I'll be 80. I know it's hard to believe, but, uh, but it's true. But I'm so old that we go to the pharmacy a lot, don't we? <laughs> she sees us a lot right here, <laughs> Christina. <laughs> we were there the other day and getting our pills, and there was two elderly people walking up there to the drop-off area. And the man said, uh, excuse me, uh, miss, but... Uh, uh, do, do you carry those pills that kind of help memory? And she said, yeah, we, we do. Well, do you carry those little batteries that you can put in hearing aids? And Yeah, yeah, she says, they're back. If they're not up front, they'll be back in the electronic area. Well, do you carry walkers and canes and that type of thing? And she said, yeah, we, we do. Do you carry adult diapers? Yeah, we carry those too. Why are you asking all these questions? Well, we're going to get married in a couple months, and we want to use this place as our bridal registry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I look down here. I'm seeing this whole row of young people. That makes my heart happy. It really does. I'll tell you, when you see young people in church worshiping God, isn't that wonderful? Let's give these young people a hand. I tell you, I just, I just love it. We worked a lot of years with youth, took a lot of long trips with them, and uh, I may be old, but I still love the kids. <laughs> I love them a lot. Uh, but anyway, it's good to be here. It's good to have the opportunity to preach. I didn't know for sure I was doing it until Friday. Uh, Aaron had warned me early in the week that maybe he wouldn't make it back. So being a person that always likes to be prepared, I began praying and began searching for something that I thought God might want me to bring this morning. And uh, I'm glad I did. I even, what, Monday or Tuesday, even sent the, the slides to Vanessa, cause just in case. I'm glad I did, because here I is, and there you is. And if you're lucky, you'll get out of here today sometime. <laughs> we do. We really enjoy you guys. And this church, if you're new here, it's full of great people. 
And I don't care where you came from or who you are, you're going to be loved. I guarantee that. And if you don't feel loved by somebody, tell me, I'll go talk to them. No. <laughs> but I want you, you want you to know you will feel loved. This, I was telling, is not a slide on the screen because I came up with this yesterday as I was doing some more meditating on my message for today. And a very popular uh, pastor, event speaker, author today in the Christian world is a fellow by the name of Paul David Tripp. And he writes a lot about the church and the current church, the contemporary church, and reaching others for Christ. And he made a statement that even though it's not on the screen, I will tell you it's on the church's Facebook page and on mine. I would encourage you to take it, cut it out, paste it somewhere, and remind yourself regularly of it. Listen to this. The church is not a theological classroom. It is a conversion, confession, repentance, reconciliation, forgiveness, and sanctification center where flawed people place their faith in Christ, gather to know and love him better, and learn to love others as he designed. I love that. That is powerful. Our scripture this morning, our message is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 17 to 21. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can follow on the screen with us as we begin to read. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And he is, by the way. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And one more verse. When our Lord began his ministry, you remember in Matthew chapter 5, he gave a list of what we call today the Beatitudes. This was, he was kind of setting the stage for those who were going to be his followers. And one of the things he said in there was that God blesses those people who make peace. They will be called his children. Father in heaven, as we consider these and many other scriptures this morning, I would pray that we would allow the Holy Spirit to direct them into our hearts and into our lives and into our decisions and the choices that we make. I would pray, Father, that what is said is what you want said and nothing more and nothing less. And I pray that our hearts will be open for you to speak to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Paul, as he's beginning this second letter to the uh, Corinthian Christians, you remember the first letter he had to write to them to straighten them out? They were a pretty rowdy bunch of believers. And interestingly enough, Paul still claimed and, and considered them brothers and sisters in Christ in, 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 in spite of all of the problems that they had. And there were a lot of them if you've ever read 1 Corinthians. Well, now it's his second letter. And they've made some progress. And so he's reminding them at this point that their whole viewpoint of life, their whole viewpoint of the world, their entire viewpoint of everything needs to change. 
They've become Christians. You notice what he said there in verses 16 and 17? He said, so from now on, we don't look at anyone the way the world does. Now, at one time, we looked at Christ in that way, but we don't anymore. Anyone who believes in Christ is a new creation. You know, any life, no matter how broken, how wasted, how empty, how lonely, can, by the touch of Jesus Christ, be restored to usefulness, joy, peace, and power, can be part of a new creation that God is in the process of working out. We are to live like that. We are to have this thought in our minds consistently. We are to be renewed in our minds by the Spirit of God so that we will consistently look at life that way because that's really the way it is for the Christian, or at least should be. Now, having said that, the apostle goes on to describe the ministry that God has given to us. Now, these words are some of the most remarkable words you'll find anywhere in Scripture. They are a description of the greatest, the most powerful, and the most effective work going on in our world today. I do not hesitate this morning to say that the description of your ministry and my ministry is what Paul said, the ministry of reconciliation. Listen again to those words from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 to 20. He said, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What a tremendous ministry this is. We need to understand this ministry of reconciliation. Very, we need to understand it very carefully because you see, that is our ministry as Christians. This is what God has called every Christian to do. This each one of us who knows Christ. This is our ministry. That's why he's left us here in this world. This is not merely Paul's ministry or an apostle's ministry or even a pastor's ministry. This is the ministry of every person who claims the name of Jesus Christ. Notice how Paul uses the words throughout this passage, we and us. It's everyone. You see, he shared it with those Christians in that early day in Corinth, and the Holy Spirit is sharing that to us today. Now, there are four things in this passage I would like to call to our attention this morning. They're very brief. The first one is that this ministry that we're talking about, this ministry of reconciliation, is a ministry from God himself. Not from Paul, but it's from God himself. Secondly, God sends Christians to be peacemakers, all of us who claim Christ. That's our job. Thirdly, it is a message that requires voluntary acceptance. And fourthly, it's a message that achieves the righteousness of God. Now, before we begin that first point, I want us to meditate on a few scriptures. Some of these I've used before already. Some of them I'll use again. But they're ones that I feel are very important, and we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help apply them to our lives where we live. 
The first one is found in Psalm 133.1, where the psalmist said, It is good and pleasant when God's people live together in peace. Let that soak in just a second. Second one is Paul writing to the churches in the area of Ephesus when he said, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Then in James chapter 4 and verse 17, James, brother of Jesus, wrote these words. The wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good works. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Now, as you think about those scriptures and kind of help apply them to your life and to your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to meditate on these two statements. The first one is, if what we communicate to our friends about others does not contribute to unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, it should be left unsaid. And another one, and after 50 years of located ministry plus, I agree wholeheartedly with this statement because I've seen so much church problems from violation of this. Trying to discredit another's spirituality or doctrinal beliefs only discredits our own lack of spiritual maturity. You see, if we are mature believers we will know that our ministry and our message is one of reconciliation. Now notice the first thing that this ministry that we see in today's verses, it comes to us from God himself. In other words, this message doesn't originate with Paul. It originates with God. He says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but if this ministry comes from God, I think that means that you and I are responsible to do this. We had better pay attention. You see, it begins with God. He sent us. He commissioned us just as he commissioned Paul. Now, he didn't commission us to be an apostle, but he commissioned us to carry forth this message and ministry of reconciliation. The commission then is to live and proclaim the message of reconciliation, and this goes beyond the ministry of salvation. It involves the ministry of making peace within the family of God. Secondly, we notice that God sends Christians to be peacemakers. You notice again, back to that statement that Jesus made at the beginning of his ministry, trying to get this across to those that were going to follow him. God blesses those people who make peace. They will be called his children. And then again, that Ephesians 4, 3. Somebody said, you, you keep repeating scripture. Yeah, I know. They tell me if I do it four times, some people might remember. So, but you know, you look through, if you read the Bible, you see repetition, repetition, repetition. Why? Because God's trying to get something across to us. He's trying to get this across to us. Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Romans 12, 18, 
Do your best, do your best to live at peace with everyone. I kind of like what one of the translations translates that verse they add in there. Um, as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you. Now, I like that because I'm old enough to know that there are some people that I don't care what you do, you're not going to get along with them. But as far as it depends on you, you do your best to try to get along with them. Romans 14, 19, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Well, that ought to be our theme, shouldn't it? 1 Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace and as in all the meetings, God's holy people. Interesting about this verse. This verse was written to a church that was having a lot of divisions, especially when it came to uh, unknown tongues. You know, after 50 years of located ministry, I'm not nearly as concerned about unknown tongues as I am concerned about the known tongues that I hear a lot from Christians. That's what brings division, is the known tongues. That's a separate sermon. You don't have to pay extra for it. can if you want. They'll be out there with buckets afterwards. But. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Paul writes again, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Notice them. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Catch that. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Now I'm going to back up. It says grow to maturity. How do we grow to maturity? We grow to maturity by encouraging each other and living in harmony and peace. It says then the God of love and peace will be with you. Now in Colossians, writing to the Colossi Christians, Paul said in 3.15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, and as a member of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. And then he said again in Titus 3, who Titus, of course, was an early preacher established in church in Crete, and he said, I want you to tell your people this. Tell them not to speak evil things against anyone. Now he's talking about the church people, I'm sure. And he says, remind them to live in peace, they must consider the needs of others. They must be kind and gentle toward all people. And then writing to the Thessalonian church in his first letter, chapter 5, verse 13. He writes them, he says, Brothers and sisters, we ask you to have respect for the godly leaders who work hard among you. They have authority over you. They correct you. Have a lot of respect for them. Love them because of what they do. And then closes with these important words. Live in peace with each other. Are you beginning to get the drift? <laughs> I want to do just a, a short here personal sharing about this, being a peacemaker. As I mentioned, um, we've been in the ministry for well over 50 years and um, had a lot of ministries and church experiences that uh, I could write a book on them. They're some of them quite interesting, some of them quite sad, some of them quite tragic. But the one I, that I was thinking of this morning on this sermon was, uh, I'd been minister of youth and education at a church in, near Wabash, Indiana, and I had had a call to possibly consider the preaching ministry at a congregational Christian church in farmland, Indiana. Well, we decided to go just kind of check it out first, and I thought before we make any decision, I'm going to go down to the local restaurant. This town about 2,000, not a big town, uh, close to Muncie, Indiana. And we went downtown, went to the one restaurant that was in town. And uh, what I've done before when we go to little churches, 
after we got made friends kind of with the waitress and server, you know, and the people and got to know them, I said, I've got a question for you. This church right down the street here, this Congregational Christian Church, what can you tell me about it? And this lady started laughing, and I said, what's so funny? She says, oh, she said, they're the church that's known for fighting and fussing and feuding. I said, really? She said, oh, she says, after every one of their board meetings, they're in here the next day, and you ought to hear them. It's terrible. They, they couldn't get along with the devil himself. And I thought, well... If I was smart, that was probably a sign saying you shouldn't take the church. But I never have been accused of being too intelligent. And so we took the church. And about the first month as we were there, we just kind of got to know people, got to be friends. You know, didn't want to run them off right away. And, and then I got up one Sunday and I said, before we moved here, <laughs> we went down to this restaurant. And I told them what we heard. You could have heard a pin drop. And when I got down, I said, now, what are we going to do about it? We were only there two years. But I want to tell you something. At the end of that two years, that church became known as a church that loved and accepted anyone. And that reputation was gone. As long as the church has a reputation like that, we will never reach people for Jesus. The early church in the book of Acts, if you check it out, Unbelievers were drawn to the church because of their unity. Because of their unity. That doesn't mean they accepted false doctrine. I know some of the legalists are like, oh, you can't do that. I am so sick of legalists. If you're one, don't even come talk to me because I really don't want to be your friend. I, I, I love those that are grace-filled who understand grace, who understand they're broken even if they don't understand it, and if it wasn't for the grace of Christ, they'd be gone to hell. That's the kind of people I like. The kind of people that are broken know it, know they can be clothed in Christ and they can become a different person. So what I want that story to try to get across to us this morning is God works in us as Christians, and he sends us as his followers to be reconcilers, whether it's in church or outside the church, we're to be peacemakers. Now, what does that word reconcile mean? I looked it up both in the Greek and then also the English, and it meant basically the same thing. It means to restore to friendship or harmony, to change from enmity to friendship, to change from one condition to another, so as to remove all enmity and leave no impediment to unity and peace. You see... Friends, if you're a Christian, he has sent you, he sent me, he has sent all of us to be peacemakers. He has entrusted to us both the ministry and the message of reconciliation. So do you want to be blessed? Well, Jesus said it's pretty simple. Be a peacemaker. Isn't that neat? It's really not that hard. Do you want to live a life of joy, grow spiritually, and bear fruit? Then encourage each other. Live in harmony and in peace. Do you want to live a, 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 a fulfilled, fruit-bearing Christian life? Then I say, refrain from speaking negative things against any brother or sister in Christ. And those who might come around to you and begin to tell you negative things in, in this gossip-type thing to you about another brother or sister in Christ, just to remind them, see, did you realize you're called to be a peacemaker? <laughs> 
tell them that they need to consider the needs of others. That the Bible tells them as his follower, they are to be kind and gentle toward all people and even toward those with whom they disagree. Paul goes on to point out in verse 20, the third thing about this, and that is the message requires voluntary acceptance. You notice verse 20, he says, therefore, we are Christ ambassadors. And then he goes on, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And then he said, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's another word that I found interesting yesterday. I looked it up both and tried to understand the Greek and the English translation. And they came out basically the same. That word implore means to beg someone earnestly or desperately to do something. Do what? Be a peacemaker. Be reconciled. Paul saw himself as an ambassador for Christ, pleading in the name of Christ, as though Christ himself were there pleading with everyone to become reconciled to God and to one another. It was Paul's desire that others accept and relate to this forgiveness that God was offering and then become peacemakers themselves. Now you notice that we are implored, implored, to share this message and ministry of peace, reconciliation, and hope. And the fourth thing about this is that the result is, and I, I, I just got it, I saw this, it's went, wow. It achieves the righteousness of God. Isn't that something? I don't know how many of you have ever studied the righteousness of God and the holiness of God. If you haven't, you should. And when you do, you'll find that there should be no way that we should ever be able to relate to him. But thank God we can. Have you ever noticed how sensitive we are about whether we think we're right or not? You know, let somebody accuse you, and what do we start doing? We start justifying ourselves, don't we? And justifying is really the word for righteousness in the Bible. You know, we start saying, well, I did this because of this, or, well, you know, I had this in mind. You got to understand that. And, you know, I really think I was right in doing that because we long to be right. Everybody does. Well, this is the great message we have. There is a way to be right with God. Now, just let that soak in a minute. There is a way to be right with God. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him, who's him? Jesus. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, that's one of the most magnificent verses of scripture in the entire Bible. It is describing, of course, that, that mysterious transaction that takes place and took place upon the cross when Jesus, the sinless one, 
the one whose life had been lived righteously without failure, without fault, without evil, who never did wrong, was made to suffer for all the sins of you and me and the entire world. You might be saying, Tom, I don't understand that. Well, I don't really fully understand it either. But it says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. And I don't think we'll fully understand that until we stand before him face to face. And then we're going to realize how much agony of heart and mind and spirit pressed upon him and how the dark horrors of hell came upon his soul there on the cross. And we're going to fall down and worship him. We learn that God does not take sin lightly, that something had to be done to settle this problem of evil. And you know what? It has been done. Isn't that great? That's the point. God has settled the problem of all our sins, every one of them, by placing them upon his son. There are times at night when I'm having a sleepless night and I think about Jesus on the cross and about him bearing the sins. And I think, my God, my God, my sins alone would have killed you. And to think you bore the pain and suffering for all of our sins. What a marvelous God we serve. Now, we need to understand and read this. Don't read it incorrectly. It says, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, you start your basis, your life of Christ. You start on that basis. You already have instantly, when you placed your faith in Jesus, you already have instantly the righteousness of Christ. That's why, as the Hebrew writer said, we can boldly approach the throne of God now. Because we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You are righteous. You are forgiven. You are restored. That's the way God deals with us. That's the good news. We do not have to earn it. It is our delight then to begin to behave like it, to start being righteous because we are righteous. I hope you understand that because this is the good news. Now, as a result of our acceptance of this good news... We are implored, remember that, begged, to become Christ's ambassadors, sharing the ministry and the message of reconciliation. We are to become an active peacemaker. We are not to speak evil things against anyone. We are to remind our friends to live in peace. We are to tell them they must consider the needs of others. They must be kind and gentle toward all people. In other words, we are to be peacemakers, not troublemakers. We as Christians are to be instruments of unity, not division and dissension. We are called, we are called to make disciples, not to win arguments. Father in heaven, I wish somehow we could all get that in our hearts and minds. That somehow, some way, we'd realize that we're not here to win arguments. We're here so your Holy Spirit can win souls. Father, help us to live in such a way that those outside of Christ will be drawn to him. If there be anyone here today, Father, that is not a Christian, may this be a time when they will open up their heart and seek to ask him to come in. For we know this is your desire. In Christ's name we pray.
If you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, we'd encourage you to stop over to the Welcome Center. We have some materials we'd love to give to you to help you grow in Christ and begin to live this kind of life, being a, a minister of reconciliation and taking out that message. I want to close again with the statement I made at the beginning. The church is not a theological classroom. It is a conversion, confession, repentance, reconciliation, forgiveness, and sanctification center where flawed people place their faith in Christ, gather to know and love him better, and learn to love others as he designed. And all the people said, Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to that message from Journey Church. Be sure to stop by our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and check out past sermons and learn how to get plugged in with us. Also, if you would like to give to Journey to help us continue doing ministry in ways like this, just hit the Give button on our website to support us on this mission. Hey, I hope that you have a great day, and may God bless you.